Praise the Lord. This is Brother Julius again. We are going through the book of James. We are in James chapter 1. We stopped at verse 9 and 10. So as we continue this teaching, I pray that the Lord will give you understanding. Now, Apostle James, who wrote this book, we have said in the last broadcast that he, it was James, the brother of the Lord Jesus Christ, through, the, through, through Mary, the mother, not uh, James of Sons of David. Not the other James that are apostles, that are disciples of Christ. They formerly were, they were just brethren of Lord Jesus Christ that they came back and joined the disciples after Jesus Christ resurrected. But over the years, he became like the leader of the of the church in Jerusalem. Now he was one writing this. Most of the things he wrote in the book of James were mostly from the book of Proverbs, and he was using the letters of Proverbs, some Bible verses in Proverbs. That's why you see they are short, short, short. Exhortation that talks on different different things, just like a book of Proverbs is full of so many wisdom, and that is what he was using also here. Now in verse nine, he's going to talk about the whole, the low the brother that is low, you should rejoice that God has exalted you. The brother that is rich, you should rejoice that God has made you humble. That's why he says that you are low. He made you low by humble in your heart. It's very important because the rich and the wealthy, if they are not humble in their heart, God resisted the proud. But by being in Christ and you have given your life to Christ, you are made to be humble in your heart. And then as you give your use your riches and wealth to bless others, God is going to be more. God doesn't say you shouldn't be rich and wealthy. He just wants you to make sure that you are not greedy and uh, proud with it. And that you are supplying the needs of the of the, of the body, the needs of the church through your wealth. As you give, God will provide you. Do what is giving, God is giving give you more because that's what he promised. As you give from your riches, God is going to be supplying it back to you so that you will never be lucky either. So that is what God has ordained. But it takes a humble heart. That's what Apostle James is pointing out in verse 10. That you should be rejoicing that you are made low when you are in Christ, even though you are rich. Because those who are not made low, who are rich and they are not lowly, they are proud in their heart, they are like flower of grass that we pass away. That's really how that verse 10 should be read. Verse 11 said, For the sun is no sooner risen when with a burning heat, it's describing those who are going to pass away, that are rich, but it withers the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perishes. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. No, he's talking about the rich man that does not have Christ. So remember that. The rich man that does not have Christ will be proud and cocky. I remember preaching in a place. And one person told me, told me that, don't come and preach to us here. We don't need God. Go preach to the poor. And those are the rich people that will pass away. 
like Apostle James said, because he said they think the, the, the gospel of God is only the pure, the poor people need God. They need God to help them become wealthy. Because they thought anyone that is crying to God is because they couldn't make it on, in life. No, we need God whether you are rich or poor, because where are you going from here? Where do you go from here when you after life? When you die? Where do you go? That is what you should be thinking about, not whether you have money or you don't have money, whether you can make a living today or you don't have money to make a living, whether you can send your boys to college or not. That is not the most important thing. Where do you grow from here? Where do you go when you die? And only when you know God that you are certain of going to have eternal life and going to paradise. But if you don't have God, like that fellow that told me that, oh, go preach to the poor. They are the ones that need God. No, you also, the rich, need God. So the rich that does not have God, that doesn't believe in Lord Jesus Christ, they are the ones that Apostle James is talking to and say, so shall the rich man fade away in his ways. <laughs> Hallelujah. Verse 12 said, Blessed is the man that endured temptation. Now he's coming back to that temptation that he started in, in, in verse, verse 3. Now blessed is the man that endured temptation. For when he is tried, remember, trials of life is what is setting people up for temptation to sin. Many trials of life, whether trial of life that you have, you have, you are poor, it's trial of life. You have no money to feed yourself, to do everything you need to do. That is trial of life. It's setting up people to steal. It's setting up people to do any sinful things against or against God. So that's why it's a temptation. Trials of life that make people to want to commit adultery. It's also a trial of life that uh, they are sick. They want to think uh, God is not answering prayer anymore, and there's no God that can do this. That is trial of life. But you see. They are, you have to endure those temptations. For when you are tried, you shall receive the crown of life, which is which the Lord has promised to them that love Him. That's verse twelve. Now he's going to put some some uh, information in verse thirteen. He said, "But let no man say when he is tempted that I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted he any man." Now he's bringing it to the word tempt. Compare that to trial. So there's a difference between tempting and trials. Trials of life, let's take for example the story of Job in the Bible. Was Job tried when things happen in his life? You call that trials of life. Remember, Job lost his children, lost his cattle, and those things are trials of life. You see, why did he lose his children? The Bible, we can read the book of Job chapter 1 and see what was really happening in between in heaven where God, where Satan challenged Job before God. And God said, okay, go and, go and prove him. So we can say that was called trial. He was tried. But it became a temptation when the devil said, cause God. Like that's the, the trial is setting him up to tempt, to tempt, to tempt Job to cause God. So trials come is a setup for temptation. So when he didn't fall for that temptation, he won, he won, the, he won the victory. So that's what we are saying. So that is exactly what we are saying. And when Apostle James is saying, "Let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God." It's not God that tempted Job; it was Satan that tempted Job to make him say, "Cause God." See what happened to you. You think there's a God that answers in prayer? Cause God and die. That's what he, the devil spoke through his wife, through Job's wife. You see, but that is the temptation part. But the trial part is that he lost his children. The trial part is that now he was sick. That is the trial. But the temptation part is that he was tempted, he was told 
through his mouth, through the wife's mouth, to tempt, to cause God. That's a temptation. Okay. But now he said, let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted he any man. Now he's going to explain who is tempting us, what is tempting us. Verse 4 says, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Now what does that really mean when you say he was drawn away of his own lust? Now think of the story of Job. Because I just said, the trials could have said God allowed the trials, but the temptation came from the devil and from his own emotions. Also, that's why Apostle James said, it is, You are drawn away by, from your own loss. The desire to be free from those things is what is going to create the temptation. Also, you, you are drawn away from your own loss. Think of the story of Job. He was sick now, he has lost all everything. Now he was not sick, so he has the desire to be well. Also, that's a desire, that's a loss. Loss is a Desire, a fervent desire to get something is lost. So you may say he lost it to be well, not so. He lost it to be back into how he was before, where everything was good, his children were about it. So he lost it for that, not so. You can say he lost it, but the word loss is used to signify that it's creating some some emotion here. So my apostle James is saying that loss in you is what is creating the temptation to to say wrong thing. Or to do wrong thing. You remember the other thing? The loss in you, the excess love for what you want. Like Job, like for example, I'm using Job as an example. He desired to be well, also. He longed to be back into good health. And that's a loss in itself. He desired to have all those children that he lost, all the cattle that he lost. He desired to have them back and be back to where he was before. So that excess love for that former lifestyle. Is a lust that is going to create a temptation to do something wrong. And that temptation to do something wrong came in the way of his wife, say, Cause God. Who has, who's, it's like saying, Is there any God that is doing this? So that's why Job didn't fall for that. So that's why Apostle James saying, Every temptation is from your own lust that is drawing you into, that is drawing you away and enticing you to do something wrong. It's a lust for the good life. The loss for the good health, the loss for this, for the loss for that, is drawing away to do wrong, whatever that wrong thing that you are trying to do. So that's why I said, don't say it's God that is tempting you, it is the loss inside you that is drawing you away. You have to shut it down. Verse 15 saying, Then when lust has conceived, you see, lust is like going to become pregnant very soon, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Because if he has caused God, if Job has caused God, that will be sin. Also. And then anyone that is so sinner shall die. So that's why Apostle James is saying, sin will bring forth death. Verse 16 is going to change here again. So something else. Do not err. Do not make a mistake. Do not commit an error. It's what I do not err, my beloved brethren. Verse 17 says, every good gift. And every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So we are to remember God is a good God. Everything good comes from God. But all those evil things come from Satan, who is in this world, who is manipulating the world and the world around us, creating all this havoc. It was Satan. 
God is allowing it for a while until God is, that's why God says his kingdom is coming. God's kingdom is going to take over the world where there will be no more influence of Satan on earth. So you have to remember, that's why Apostle James is saying, verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, from the Father, and from coming from the Father of lights, from God. With whom is no variableness, neither shadow of sun. So if anything evil is happening around you, not from God, it is from Satan. But God has promised that. God said, all things will work together for good to them that love God. So God will work with you to make it work for your own good. As long as you love God. Them that love God. Even though the devil is the one that is bringing all those evil things. Verse 18 said, talking about God, of his own will, God's will, begat he us with the word of truth. That we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So God has begotten us and making us, we, he's talking about we should believe that because this is his reason to believe us. So God has begotten us through our Lord Jesus Christ and make us to be a kind of false fruits unto him, unto him. Verse 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to write. Now verse 19 is talking, changing years or something, and so that's why I said every Bible verse in this book of James are just little, little nuggets of wisdom using it to exhort and everyone everything is same mostly are from the book of proverbs and perhaps ecclesias because that's the major books of teaching that they have in the old testament if you go and look at the books of moses they are more or less telling the story go and look at the book of the prophets if you have some of them in those days they are more or less prophesying about the future of israel now the book of psalms they are more or less talking about praising god and expressing the sorrows that is happening among them. But when you go to the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, that seems to be the main and only uh, writing that they have for the Old Testament people that is teaching them something, teaching wisdom, how to conduct ourselves. You see that's only the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes that's mentioned. That. That's where he was getting all of this, his exposure from. That's what I'm saying. When you read the book of James, you see where it gets all of this thing from. They are mostly from the book of Proverbs. And so that's why you see the book Proverbs is every Bible verse in the book of Proverbs. One or two Bible verses will be talking on one topic. And right next two Bible verses will be talking on another topic. Everything talking on wisdom and how to do things in life to get a good reward. So that is where most of his exhortation is coming from. The book of James also coming from there. So let's see again. He went for that. He said, my verse 19. Therefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to run. It's talking about how we communicate, how we respond to things. Say, listen closely, that's swift to hear, but be slow to speak. Don't jump to conclusion. It's really what that means. Many times people jump to conclusion. They have not seen everything clearly. They just, aha, aha, it must be the one that did that. But you have, if you listen to the rest of the story, you may see, come back and change your mind. I know. So that is why he said, be slow to speak. Don't jump to, slow to rot also. Don't jump to, don't flare up because of what you've just heard or see. If you are slow to rot, you may come back and think wisely and say, no, there's nothing to fight on this thing. There's nothing to aggravate ourselves about on this. Be slow to rot. These are all just wisdom. Verse 10, 20. He said, for the wrath of man walketh not the righteousness of God. I mean, when you jump to rot and begin to get offended, he said, you are not going to do something right. Yeah. 
That's why the wrath of man walketh walketh not the righteousness of God. But if you are slow to wrath, you will be patient because the righteousness of God says you have to be patient. You have to be man of peace. Peace, joy, love. Those are the righteousness of God. Love, joy, peace, long suffering, meekness. Those are all the righteousness of God. But anyone that's quickly getting angry or right to get to ready to fight, ready to yell and scream, say you are going to fall into offense with all of those righteousness of God. Either you are not patient enough, or you are not long suffering enough, or you are not showing love because your, your wrath is taking care of, taking care of you. So that's why he said, the wrath of man walketh not the righteousness of God. Verse 21 says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. That you be humble, take the word of God with humility, and practice it. Verse 22, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Now, that's another caveat in what he's saying, that if you might hear, you may hear this thing, but practice it. Like when we just say, be slow to rot. Practice to be slow. Something rousing up you to want to fret, just tell yourself, be slow to rot. Something you want you to respond quickly, tell yourself to be slow to speak. Listen to everything, to the rest of the story, before you jump to conclusion. You are telling your, when you tell yourself that, you cool down, can you say that that is how you are practicing the word? You are doers of the word. So Apostle James in chapter verse 22 is saying, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So I just gave an example of this word of slow to speak. That's do it. Slow to speak, slow to run. Do it. That's you are doers of the word. There are many other Bible verses that are instructing us in how to conduct ourselves. Do those things that you are doers of the word. Another example is when he said, lie not to the truth. He said that he that he that um, our apostle Paul put it in many other ways when he said, we should be humble. So that record yourself to be dead indeed to sin. That's one that you should always don't don't uh, call yourself a sinner. Call yourself that I am already dead to sin. Since you're not have dominion over me. Keep practicing that. And then don't walk in sin. Another example is when he said we should be meek like our Lord Jesus Christ. Who was in the even though he was God, he humbled himself and became to be born like a human being and became obedient unto death. So that we are to to have the same mind like our Lord Jesus Christ, and mind of humility, humbleness of mind. We have to practice it. Practice it daily in our life. It becomes part of us as we practice it more and more. So that's how we are doers of the word as we practice what the word of God tells us to do. Otherwise, we'll be deceiving ourselves if we are just hearing it and not doing it. Verse 23. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgeteth what manner of man he was. That is, he says, you are to, when you look at the word of God, think of it as looking at the mirror. And when you look at the mirror and you see something in your face that looks like a speck, you have to go there and say, what is that? That means you want to correct it, not so. So that's what he's using, that you have to look at yourself as building yourself in a mirror. But if you are not doing it, you are just like, you see yourself in your mirror, but you forget whom, what kind of person you are. You don't do anything about what you saw. You strictly forget what manner of man he was. 
Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, that is the word of God, and continue therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So when you do the word of God, practice all this exhortation, say you'll be blessed. Verse 26. It's changing here. He says, if any man among you seems to be religious and bridle not his tongue. Now he's talking about something he says, he's talking about, are you just religious? Religious is all, this is the way to worship God. You have to worship God this way. And those are all just religious activities. But see, the, and he's going to describe what he believes religion should be in, in, in this one. He said, if you bridle not your tongue, I mean your word, that the word has come out of your mouth, should be different if you are really religious and you are following the pattern of the word of God. So you, the word of your mouth must be showing that you, you have God. That's really what it's going to say. But you see, he said, if you don't bridle your tongue, but you deceive yourself, he said, deceive at his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Verse 27 is the last verse in that chapter. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. To visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself from spotted from the world. In short, he's saying the, what should be religion is just doing good and keeping yourself pure. He said that's what religion should be. Do good and keep yourself away from these pollutions of the world. So every other thing that people are doing that think this is religious, they, they are not going to be counted before God. You are deceiving yourself. So visiting the fatherless is what they classify as doing good. Whatever good you are doing to help the neighbor, to help the poor, see, yeah, that's the that's religion. And many religions are doing, they have works of mercy like that in most of the religions. But see, we have to remember the work of religion is not going to save us because religiously will not save any man without Christ. But when you have Christ in you, Christ has saved us so that we can also do works of righteousness because that is the fruit that you show in us. After we have Christ, Christ brings us to, to, to the Father God and changes us from within so that we can walk the works of righteousness. But those who are walking the works of righteousness without Christ and just trying to think they will please God by just doing all this work, they are to hear about Christ's salvation and, and, and the shed blood of Jesus Christ which took our sins away. If they believe it and accept Christ, then their religion is acceptable before God. But if they throw Christ aside and say they will just be doing their own works of righteousness, like all these other religions, Islam, Hindu, uh, they think by just doing good is going to give them some help. No, there's a sacrifice that needs to be first partake of. If they don't believe that sacrifice, they don't believe God. Because that's, that's serious. If you don't believe the sacrifice God has made for mankind, then you don't believe God. Every other thing you are doing is not getting to Him. That's why Jesus Christ said, no man can come unto the Father but by me. So that has to be settled first. Then when you are settled in the fact that you are with Christ, Christ in you, then your good works is necessary because that is what is going to actually give you reward with the Father. Not to get you there, but to give you reward when you get there. Reward when you get there. But you won't get there at all if you don't have Christ in you. You won't get there. So the, all the good works that you are doing for yourself without Christ in you, without accepting Christ, does not go anywhere. But when you have Christ, you get there, and then the good works you do or not is to give you promotion in heaven. Position of honor and authority with Father God because he rewards them that serve him. And now you are serving him when you have Christ in you and you are now doing the good works. We will continue this in chapter 2 right now. 
as we go into chapter 2, Apostle James is going to change gear again and go into something else. James chapter 2. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. Now he's talking of respecting persons. And he's going to describe what he means by respecting of people here. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring in goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and you have respect to him that wear the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit down here in a good place. And say to the poor, Stand down there, or sit here under my foot too. I mean, you already degraded the man because of the way he is dressed, is looked. He said, Are you not then partial in yourselves and have become judges of evil thoughts? Acting, my beloved brethren, has not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to them that love him? But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? So, what was he talking about? He's more or less describing what could be happening in some congregations. In their generation, we don't know whether it's happening, but he is giving a general example that don't be partial, don't respect faces, because that's human nature. The governor came to, to your church. You treat the governor so elegantly, even though he was an unbeliever, they came to visit your church. So the governor is coming, then you throw a red carpet in his way. And everybody gets gets seated, get over here, get away from the well, the governor has come. When it comes to God, the governor is just a human being. Well, what made him a governor? Or is the king or the the queen or the princess of the land? What made them are they better? Are they two heads? How did they come to be princes? Think about that. Or well, he is the professor, he's the head of this university. But when it comes to God, he's an ordinary person. Everybody is ordinary before God. But say we human beings always try to show those type of respect for for names, for titles, and so on. And Apostle James is addressing that. That when you come before the congregation of God, if you use title and then you de, you you belittle the poor and the ones that are not dressed properly, and you put uh, the those that are highly dressed in an elegant position, say you are already partial. Respectably, like that is offend against God, and that is really very important that. We should treat everybody equally. That doesn't mean you disrespect the governor or the queen or the prince. Just treat everybody with respect. Whether they are poor or they are rich, treat everybody with respect. Then there's no reason for you to be to say you have belittled the governor, you are despising the, the, the princess, the king, or you you make the poor person to, to be to be ridiculed. No, just treat everybody with respect. So that is really very important in, the, in this ex example. And that is very tough for to do when it comes to, because you are comparing people with yourself. And that's the problem. People that are wanting to help the poor, they look at that man, the way he's dressed, he looks like homeless. You're already looking down on him because of the way he dresses, he looks homeless. And then you are not even ready to even talk to him. Or even, you want to, to go, go, just go away, go away, go away. That is disrespect, disrespect right there. There have been stories where some people have tried to be, behave like homeless and they didn't know that the fellow that behaved like homeless, dressed like homeless, was actually a dignified person. Just want to see how people treated homeless people. And then after he realized that he was not really homeless, they, they begin to be people that have mistreated him 
they now begin to be ashamed. Just treat everybody with respect. It's what is necessary. Don't have to be under a test and try like that. So that is very important. Our Apostle James is addressing it in these first few verses of chapter 2. He addresses that where he said that ye have despised the poor. Verse 6. Do not rich men oppress you now. He said, you, when you ele elevate the rich people because they come to your assembly, and they are these rich people are the ones that are even oppressing you and drawing you before the judgment seat. He said, You are you 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 are mis, mis, misplacing your priority. But Sam said, Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by the which ye are called? I mean, these rich people also the one that blaspheme and say there's no God or they don't call and talk to us, call and talk to the poor. I mean, they exhort themselves. That's what he's saying that they it looks like his sermon, his sermon here is always against the rich. The rich that do not know God. The rich that do not have Christ is what he's addressing here. Because they are the ones that are proud and always try to position themselves above the preachers. That's really why woman is talking to. But the rich that have come to Christ have become humble. And very important that we disagree between the two. And that was... Verse 8, now say, if ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, what is the royal law? Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. So he said that's the royal law. Love your neighbor, that means that poor person, love him as you love yourself. The same way with the rich man, with the poor person, love everybody equally and show respect to everybody equally. That's what he's saying. Verse 9, but if ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the old law and yet offend in one point is guilty of all. Now I'm going to stop there and continue this in the next broadcast. And I pray that we bond this thing to our heart so that we know how to conduct ourselves, even among us, even in the midst of a congregation, and to every person, rich or poor, how we should make sure that we do not offend God in the way we treat other people, because we should show loving your neighbor as yourself. That rich man also is my neighbor. That poor man also is my neighbor. So love my neighbor as myself, what God says. And we continue this in the next broadcast. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we will continue this message in the next broadcast. The Bible said, Precept shall be upon precept, line upon line. A little there, a little there. And I pray that you will not miss the next broadcast so that you can build upon that which you have just learned today. The Bible said, Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. In, in other words, we can say, Faith cometh by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the Word of God. It's not just a one-time shot. You must keep hearing the Word so that your faith can be built up. We shall continue this message in the next broadcast. Don't miss the next broadcast. God bless you.